Lord Jesus, we thank you for inviting us into your presence for worship, for being in our hearts and lives that we might recognize your presence and draw strength, encouragement, hope, and joy from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. If you look at your bulletin today, you will see that I am Pastor Joe Hill. But I am not. Pastor Joe and Elizabeth and the family got COVID this week. And so uh, they are at home recovering and uh, I am pitch hitting. Uh, So those of you who are wondering, gosh, he went away for a few weeks and he came back and just kicked Joe out of the pulpit. That is not the case. We look forward uh, to Joe being back uh, next week and continuing uh, with this series. Uh, Today we're beginning a a seven-week sermon series based on the gospel reading. Um, the, 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 The series is called Abiding in Christ, and it's going to be a little different, because for the next seven weeks, we're going to use the same gospel text, and we're going to be preaching out of that gospel text, but surrounded by the other texts, which we hope will enlighten and deepen our appreciation for that text. It's our hope that by the end we have learned to deeply appreciate the facets of this rich illustration of Jesus for what it means to be followers of Christ. We hope to internalize it so that it becomes a part of who we are, if you will, an arrow in our quiver so that when life seems to stretch us thin, to wear us down, to burn us out, we know how to reconnect or connect more deeply to the vine that is Christ to fill us and use us, to bring us comfort and strength and healing and hope and joy as we move forward. And so we're going to journey deeply into this and we hope that you will also in the end hear these words, abide in me as an invitation to dwell in the love and grace and goodness of God as we journey through the challenges of this life. So let's dig in. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now I got to tell you, when, when I think of gardeners, I start too late. Uh, I think of gardeners as the ones who are pulling the weeds and, you know, maybe trimming off uh, the dead stuff and, and uh, occasionally maybe taking care of the soil. But I, I forgot something, and, and Joe reminded me. Uh, Joe started this sermon. I only finished it. Uh, I, I decided, I, I discovered that, that a gardener actually is the one who plants the garden. Uh, The the gardener decides where the garden is going to be, what is going to be in the garden, and what the purpose of that garden is. Now, if it's a flower garden, then its purpose is probably to bring beauty and fragrance. 
And I'm one of those people that when I'm flipping channels or looking through that channel guide to find something to watch, I love to find anything that has to do with creativity, whether it's, it's remodeling a house or a motorcycle or a car or a garden or a landscaping. It's amazing to me how people can take a property that's just sort of in disrepair and make it something beautiful and useful. And the reminder was that if the gardener is the one who decides where the garden is and what's in the garden, then he probably has a purpose, an intention. Jesus says the Father is the gardener, offering meaning to our lives. If God is the gardener, then he has an intention for his creation. Sometimes I think in the church, especially in America, when we think of the concept of freedom, we think of freedom from expectation, freedom to be or do whatever we want to do, instead of freedom to be all that we're created to be. If God is the gardener, our world and our lives are created with intention. They're created to bear fruit. They have meaning and purpose that we find in the heart and mind of the gardener. So often having been raised in California, having been been raised in, in this Western culture, I think I'm supposed to discover who I am by looking inside instead of discover who I am by discerning who God has created me to be, how God has gifted me, and what God is calling me to be about in my life. I want to suggest to you that when Jesus says, my father is the gardener, he's reminding us that God creates intention, meaning, purpose for his creation and that we find our purpose and meaning in the creator. Jesus then says, or actually before this says, I am the vine. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then it's in our connection to Christ. And remember, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are made right with God, that that, that connection to Jesus that remains in each moment, in each day as we move forward, is, is the source of nurture for our life. Jesus even says in John 10.10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I've shared with you numerous times that, that I, I have this tendency that I have to work to overcome to, to make things sound like laws, and that when they sound like laws, I often feel like my first reaction is, I failed. Whenever I hear this idea that my life is supposed to bear fruit, I feel like I'm not fruitful enough. 
And instead of being motivated to bear more fruit, I just kind of wallow in the failure of not having been fruitful enough. And I want to I want to remind us that as we look at Scripture, even in the Old Testament today, and we hear the word commandment, that the the other way to interpret that word is instruction. Now, I know none of the other guys in the room have ever done this, uh, but let me just admit that I have. And and, and ladies, you will recognize it in people like me. Um, When something comes from the store that says something along the lines of some assembly required... You know, I like to, I like to grab the, the bag of screws and lay out the parts and open it up and build it. What did I forget, Megan? Read the instructions. It's a lot easier if you read the instructions. It's a lot easier to not put parts on backwards so you have to take it back apart and put it back together. Reading the instructions help. God provides the people of Israel and all of us with instructions. This is how you you can live a long life. This is how your life can be blessed. This is how your children and your children's children will be blessed in their lives. Live according to these instructions. Let me say it another way. God says to us, let me help you out. Let me show you how to experience the fullness of this life. Let me help you find the meaning for which I created you. Jesus is the vine. Staying connected to that vine is what gives us all that we need for our lives to bear fruit. I sometimes preach on the Galatians fruits of the spirit text and when I do I ask this question does an apple tree try to grow apples? Does an orange tree try to grow oranges? No, a healthy apple tree, a healthy orange tree simply bears fruit not by trying to bear fruit, but by simply being what they are. I want to suggest to you that our lives bear fruit by simply being connected to the vine, by simply being nurtured and strengthened and encouraged by Christ as we're a part of this vineyard that we will call the world. Abide in me. Now, that word abide is, is not real common in our everyday language. Dwell, remain, stay, stay connected. But I really like the word abide. There's something in it that, that suggests to me that I can find rest there, that I can find recovery there. We're created, we're made right with God, and we're intended to stay connected. Throughout Jesus' life, 
It often says Jesus is, is praying in the mornings. Jesus is, is speaking the words that the Father gives him to speak. He's say, staying connected to the Father. And as he disciples the twelve, he, he, they stay connected. They, they watch what he does. They see the way he acts and they're invited to live their lives in the same way. In staying connected to Christ, we can receive encouragement and strength. I want to I wanna go back to, for just a moment, this, this text in Ephesians, which is so much at the heart of our Lutheran confession and theology. It's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then, and then we continue to read forward into 10 to discover purpose and meaning. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is God's intention and purpose for us to stay connected to God in such a way that the goodness of God that flows into us bears fruit through us. I was talking to someone the other day about this, and I was asking the question, uh, what is the purpose of fruit? And and they all answered to eat. I said, well, yes, but you do realize there's another purpose for fruit that is found in the very definition of fruit. Do you know why fruit is a fruit? Because it contains seeds. The purpose of a tree bearing fruit is not simply to give someone something to eat, but also to perpetuate more trees. The purpose of being a disciple of Jesus is not just that we follow Jesus, but that we are disciples who make disciples. That that God works through his disciples to grow his family, to grow the church, to make other disciples. The fruit we bear impacts the lives of other people. And often, we don't even know it. So, so how do we abide? I actually was done with the sermon. I'd, I had put it away. It was, it was locked in and ready to go. And I walked downstairs, and I sat down next to Marilyn, and I thought, you know, if I just say to the congregation, abide in Christ, some people are going to just lock that in and other people are going to go, like, how do I do that? What does that mean? How do I dwell, rest, remain in the love and grace of Jesus? How can I place myself in that nurturing, receiving place. Well, I want to start by acknowledging 
that this text tells us it isn't going to be easy. It, it isn't going to be like snuggling up in your warm uh, quilt on your bed at night. We're, we're reminded in this vine and branches text that, that branches that don't bear fruit are cut off, they fall off, they're gathered together and thrown into the fire, and the branches that do bear fruit are pruned. Now, I want to say this another way. When the branch does not bear fruit, it's cut off. When the branch does bear fruit, it feels like it's being cut off because it's being pruned. Do you hear what I'm saying? Pruning usually feels to us like being cut off. And so it's a time to endure. It's a time to lean in to God and to others in our lives that can help us as we go through those times of testing and and struggle. We need each other for that. It's a part of how this pruning, this testing in our lives actually allows us to grow and to be more fruitful. I just want to say one more thing about this. It's a theme that you've probably heard me talk about before because it's very much in my psyche as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus. And, And that is this. If someone looks at you and it appears to them that you've got it all together, is that a good witness? Well, no. Because everyone knows they don't have it all together. And if they look at you and it appears that you do, luckily I have no fear of that. Uh, but, but that was a joke, a little laughter, a little louder, please, uh, 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 there, Joe. Um, if they can see that we have struggle and hardship and doubt in our lives, then they can relate to that because at least on the inside, they're struggling with some similar doubts and hardships. And so even the witness of the pruning times, the testing times, the times when we struggle in our faith is a time of connection that can bear fruit in and through our witness. We are not different from other people, except that when we're grafted into the vine, we have a source of help and hope and healing that we can trust in and rely on to get us through. I remember the last time I had to stay in the hospital. Do you know what I like least about being in the hospital? And No, not, I'm not talking about the food. Do you know what I like least about staying in the hospital? Staying in bed. And, and I, don't, I don't know what your experience is, because I've heard of so many people. Um, uh, one of our members had a, a knee operation, and he said right the next day they had him walking upstairs. He wasn't expecting that, but, but they did. But when I've been in the hospital, it's like, just, just lay there. I hate that. 
And, and here's the other truth that I have shared with you that I really don't like. As a matter of fact, I think we should add it to the list of four-letter words that we should try to avoid using in our lives. It's called wait. I really don't like waiting. But I have found that often to abide means to wait. That often to abide means to wait with an anticipatory hope of what God will do to create something new through the journey that we are on, to, to wait with hope and confidence in, in the promise, in the, in the strength, in the work of God that he does indeed do in us, especially in and through those times of testing. So what are some of those things that you might do to work? No. To practice abiding. Let me suggest a few things. First off, read God's word. Listen for his love, for his character, his faithfulness, and his promises as you read about how he's interacted with his people throughout history. Let me suggest that one of the things that's uh, somewhat harder for us, but a really good thing for us to do is adore God. Adore him. Sing praise. Listen to beautiful music. Marvel at God's creation and the beauty of this world in the laughter of a child or an elder, in the wonder of the stars, See the handiwork of God that is in the creation all around us. By the way, I was reminded of this yesterday as I was preparing uh, George McCarthy's service because George was a man who enjoyed the beauty of God's creation. Pray. And when praying, listen. Philippians 4, 6 says it this way, In every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God will be with you. Sit with a friend. Share a hug. Find hope in their confidence and in their prayers on your behalf. And then here's a real homework assignment. Ask your other Christian friends how this abiding happens for them. Where do they feel in their journey of faith that they are being nurtured and filled with the goodness and presence of God? Share that together that we might learn from one another how God uses his presence in our lives. When the pandemic came upon us 
and things started to shut down, including churches, uh, we were gathered together uh, uh, for the LCMC gathering. Most people were gathered online, but a few of us who were serving on the various ministry boards came to be there in person where the videotaping was happening, sitting six feet apart. And one of the things that was reported to us was the incredible emotional dip that had happened, especially in the lives of pastors and churches. There had been a survey done by Barna about six months before in the, in the summer of 2019, and it had suggested that God's people were at about an 80% emotionally uh, feeling good about their lives place, and that when they took that again after the shutdown, after COVID, basically a year later, what they discovered was 80% had gone all the way down to 30%. There was an incredible level of discouragement. And in truth, a number of pastors actually quitting. Some called it retiring early. And so we were asking ourselves, is there anything we can do? And we decided to do this little thing that in fact was sort of a nothing thing, but, it, but did work for a purpose. We decided as a ministry board to send every pastor throughout the LCMC church, we sent every pastor one of those little plastic bracelets, you know, those rubber things you cost about a buck or less. And it simply said this, God's got this. God's got this. The God we worship is trustworthy. The God we worship is faithful. And when our lives seem overwhelming, when the, the end of the tunnel is too far away to see the light, when we're in the midst of that struggle, it's good to remember that God's got this. That nothing is too great for him to handle. That we can remember his faithfulness in the past because it tells us about his coming faithfulness. And brothers and sisters in Christ, as we rest in that promise, in that goodness of God, our hope can be restored. It was a simple word, but it was a word of encouragement to remember that we are not in this alone. A part of abiding is to remember that God is with us. And we are with God. A part of abiding is also to remember that we are not alone. We are the body of Christ, gifted together to bring glory to God as we extend his word of hope to others. Joe asked that this quote be read. He's given out a book to the Grow Group leaders And this is a quote from Andrew Murray's The True Vine. How many eyes have gazed on and admired the great vine with its beautiful fruit? Come and gaze on the heavenly vine till your eyes turn from all else to admire him.
How many in a sunny climate sit and rest under the shadow of a vine? Come and be still under the shadow of the vine and rest under it from the heat of the day. May you abide in Christ. Respond to his invitation to find rest and strength and purpose and meaning. And yes, joy and fruitfulness in Jesus. Amen.